Episode 1, How to Claim Your Power with Functional Life Coach and Best-Selling Author, Mastin Kip. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Have you ever worked toward a major goal in your life only to finally achieve it and find yourself asking, is this all there is? That's what happened to our first guest on Life Amplified today. Mastin Kip started out as a record company executive and music manager, but after years of award shows, concerts, parties, and addiction, it left him feeling empty and looking for more. He went on a journey to discover his life's purpose, and he spent the last 10 years teaching people like you and me to do the same. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, Claim Your Power, a 40-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks that keep you stuck and finally thrive in your life's unique purpose. This is an amazing conversation. We had a chance to sit down at his book launch event in New York City, and among the topics we discussed are what to do when the thing you thought you wanted doesn't make you happy. How to leave your comfort zone and take the first step toward the life you really want. How do you find a new tribe of people who will support you on the path? What is power and how do you find yours? What is purpose and how do you discover it? Why getting more stuff doesn't always make you happy long term and what you should be focused on instead. And the number one decision you can make today which will transform your life. Oprah Winfrey is called Mastin, a thought leader for the next generation. So it is so cool and such an honor that he spoke with me as the first guest here at Life Amplified. And if you're loving the conversation, just click follow here on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Secondly, please tell a friend. We have got so many amazing guests lined up and some content that is really going to help you break through to the next level in your career, your relationships, your health, and your happiness. So let's spread this message and let your friends know about it. And number three, let Mastin and I know you're listening. Just screenshot this podcast, upload it to Twitter or Instagram. Make sure you tag us both. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason, and you can find him at Mastin Kip. But I'll pick one lucky social media upload and we'll send you a free autographed copy of Mastin's new book, Claim Your Power. In the meantime, sit back, relax, strap yourself in. This is going to be a really inspiring interview as we claim our power with number one best-selling author and life interventionist, Mastin Kip. What's up, my brother? Dan, it's amazing to be here and I just pity the fool who comes after me because I'm starting with you as number one. I can't imagine how number two or three could be better. I'm just saying. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Has been totally on, joking. Mastin has been on Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, but I'm sure this is the highlight for you. This is it. This is the media highlight of my life right here. No, no. I love you, man. And I'm so excited to be here. I, the reason why I say that is because... You know, whenever you get introduced and you do enough of these interviews and you kind of just say, oh, hi, how are you? And you kind of say the same thing every time. So one of my goals is to say something different every single time I get interviewed. Yeah. So, hey, Dan, <laughs> Dan you're better than Oprah. It's, That's right. What, what a great well, way to start. I'm not saying I said that, but I'm not saying I didn't say that either. <laughs> you know, one of the great things about this podcast and one of my intentions in doing this was to create something that fans of personal growth 
can latch onto, that they'll get something out of, they'll yes. find value, but also people who don't necessarily read self-help books totally. that aren't on the path. And I think that that's why your story is so interesting. You're not a guy who went and meditated with Tibetan monks or grew <laughs> up in some religious cult. You actually had the same background I did. You came out of the music industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people need personal development, whether they know it or not, because I think everybody has something they want to achieve in their life. I mean, for God's sakes, even if you're suicidal, you want to achieve something, you want to achieve death, you know? So there's always like something you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the best thing that you want to achieve. But I think where things get off track is when you get in, you cross the, the, the frame from superstition into like science and fact. And, and then there's in between, there's like spirituality or some type of you know, meaning that you have to bring. But I think one of the things that, um, about personal development that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around is that it's a soft science. There's not a lot of data. There's a lot of, there's a lot of schemers <laughs> in the space. You know, the yeah. space grew up in schemers. So it's hard to figure out like what's real, what's not versus like if you see a doctor, like it's MD, it's trained, it's there, you understand it. But everybody's trying to achieve something more. Um, and when I went into the music business, you know, the last thing I ever thought would be I'd be on the other side helping people find their purpose, you know, leave toxic relationships, lose weight, make more money, whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, and little did I know that, you know, drugs, alcohol, and that whole world uh, would lead me to a place like this. But, you know, I got into the music business because I wanted to have fun. I wanted, like, the idea of being a rock star, supporting rock stars was so massive and so huge. And you see all of this glam on the outside and you just want to live, I want to live that big, larger than life life and be different than everybody else. And I definitely turned out different than everybody else, um, but it was definitely a lot more pain than it needed to be because what you see, you know, today, I mean, on Instagram, there was no Instagram when I was doing it. If there was, God, God forgive me. Um, but what you see on Instagram or what you see on, you know, in the, you know, when you see these, the famous people and all the things that they're doing, what is actually happening is not what you think it is <laughs> because there's yeah. somebody's billboard yeah. and then there's the real deal, you know, and the whole purpose of managers and agents and publicists is to sort of contain the madness, uh, and, and present a certain aesthetic to the public. And some people are in, are in integrity, but I found the rock style, uh, rock star lifestyle to be very traumatizing, <laughs> not exciting. That's for sure. Because there's people listening to this right now who think that proximity to celebrity, walking the red carpets, going backstage at the concerts, the, the lifestyle with the parties, the groupies, all that to some people seems like that would be the ultimate. Like if you're <laughs> sitting there working as an accountant, but you made a conscious decision at a really early age. It's not like yeah. you were in that for 30 years and then said, I'm done. Yeah. You were out of there by what, 23, 24? Uh, I have a very sort of in and out. Like I'm thinking about getting back in again now, but in a different way. So yeah. I don't think I'll ever fully be out. But what happened was, is that like when you're in proximity, it's fun. It's fun for a moment. Like any addiction is fun for a moment. You know, like you have one night out with the boys drinking. That's fun. Chronically drinking and having alcohol for breakfast every day for 30 years. That's not so much fun. Um, and so there is a, there is an excitement about it when I was younger for sure. But you know, it lasts temporarily, and I thought it would just last forever, the excitement, the happiness, the joy, but it was really just covering up deeper issues. And it's a funny story. I had a band that I was managing, uh, this is 2007, and they won a bunch of Grammys, and like that was my goal. Like I wanted to work with an artist who won Grammys, and I thought if I worked with an artist who won Grammys, then like I would have made it, and I did it. And we got nominated for multiple Grammys. Their name's Narls Barkley, mm. um, and they had crazy, you know, um, and that song was just lightning in a bottle. 
And I remember like I was walking CeeLo down the red carpet at the Grammys and like so happy for him, so happy for Danger Mouse, so happy for the whole group. And it felt like with all the other celebrities there and then the paparazzi and the press and the photographs, the way I felt was exactly the same way I felt like a high school dance. Or like there's like the cool people over there, then there's awkward people over there. And then it was just kind of like the nerds over there. Like it didn't, it didn't feel like what I thought it was going to feel like. And I didn't know what that was at the time, but there was a part of me that just felt like this is not what I want at all. Like if I'm at the Grammys, I'm walking the red carpet, like I'm watching my client be on MTV, you know, and all the types of things back when MTV was a way bigger platform. Um, you know, it was, it was, it seemed like this is it. Like I was on the other side of the magazines, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just completely unfulfilled, like just not happy. And I just couldn't, I was reading so much personal development material that I didn't know what to do, but I knew what not to do, which is I didn't want to do this anymore. And so that was sort of what led the transition was I kind of got what I wanted and it wasn't what I wanted, or at least it wasn't what I thought what I wanted. Um, and so I decided like, I'm going to do something else. And then I kind of got the hit like, oh, you're going to have to teach people and have to, God, God help me. You know, like that's the, because in the music business, you know, it's hip and cool and there's things that you do. People to do what I do are sort of perceived as weird, cheesy, strange, yeah. out there, quirky, kooky, that type of stuff. Not a lot of respect, but I, I've just had to do it, you know? <laughs> so talk about that because, you know, in my background working in radio programming, I went to a lot of the same parties. I sure. wasn't there on the road 24-7, but I would get to go to Taylor Swift's apartment in Tribeca and take sure. pictures and, and do all that. And people thought it was great. And I cultivated this persona on the radio being snarky sarcastic <laughs> negative people love that that's you your know? persona that was that was my total I, I thought persona. that's just how is that just how yeah, you are no, yeah. I'm, I'm the worst <laughs> me too I, became, I can't claim my power <laughs> i can't that's why i'm here man but so i cultivated this image that looked great on social media yeah and the minute that i wanted more for my life it was that fear of putting yourself out there around the people that knew you mm-hmm. before. Totally. All of a sudden, like, you know, you're hanging out, you're doing the drugs, you're doing the parties, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, I want to go inspire people, and I want to write this <laughs> uplifting content. Like, what is that like for you when you first, I guess, took a toe out of the spiritual closet? Uh, there's only one word for it, exodus. That's what it felt mm. like. It felt like I was at a certain level exiled. Not like they did it to me, but like there's just nothing in common anymore. And I remember like after doing this for a couple years, like my old boss called me and was like, um, how do I love myself? Like they like, they want yeah. it, but like, don't tell anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and just recently, like last week I was doing this rep thing, you know, when you launch a book, you have the book launch party and you have the VIP thing and you invite your friends and influencers and stuff. And I invited someone I have not seen in like 16 years. The last time I saw this person, we were in a bar in Los Angeles doing cocaine together. That's the last time I saw him. Wow. And now he sees me doing this. And there was someone uh, next to him who knows me as, as I am today. And he was describing our behavior. And she says, oh, my God, it was so hard for me to understand what, like, seeing him that way. And he's like, you think it's hard for you? How about me? It's hard for me to see him in this new way. And what's interesting is a lot of those people, and we've all, we're all older now, and a lot of those people are looking for answers. And they're yes. coming to me now, but not then. Now they're coming to me, and the sad part is we've had, I've had multiple clients the last year or so, like take their own life, you know, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, these are people that uh, our, our company worked with, and like, they're, like, they're people who were around them are coming to me, like, what can I do? How can I help? So, because yeah. it's serious. So like, when you look at the lifestyle and then the echo of it 10, 20, 30 years later and the trauma that you don't deal with, I mean, you lose great artists. So what seems awesome in the moment later 
is painful. And we see this all the time. You saw it with Kurt Cobain. You saw it with Michael Jackson. You saw it with Chester Bennington. You saw it with, you know, so many countless artists, you know, uh, even in the acting space. I mean, you see it all over the place. So I, I, for me, it was almost like I got, I got early. They're figuring it out now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and so it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I had to go formulate a whole new level of values, rules, a new tribe, I had to go figure out my own stuff and, you know, still deal with the, the letdown of feeling like you're not a part of that anymore, you know? And it requires a, a certain amount of courage to live in the in-between yeah. of letting go of a new life while you're cultivating a new one. So for somebody who's listening today, not that they're in Hollywood or in their, they're in the party scene, but they're stuck in that toxic relationship yeah. where they know it's not serving them. For the person who's in the soul-sucking job, but they've been there a while and all their friends are there. Yeah. For them to step out and take that first step toward living their purpose, toward discovering their purpose, how do they do that? They don't. They're just going to be screwed for the rest of their life. Oh, there we go. And that's, that's a wrap. It. No, I'm just kidding. Hope you're inspired. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I said that because there's a part of them listening right now that's thinking that. Um, it's not true. Um, it's a really practical, vague answer. Um, and I try to be as specific as possible, but because this goes out to multiple folks, mm-hmm. I can't be exactly specific because if I'm coaching somebody, I'm very specific for their lifestyle. But it, ultimately what you do is you figure out the thing you're most afraid of besides a burning building. So you can't be like in mortal danger and you just keep doing it until you're not afraid of it anymore. Practically, that's all that you do. Um, and, and you get support around that and you get mentorship around that and you get a tribe of people around that who believe in you as well. Um, and then you just consistently do that over and over and over again. And it's really that simple, but it's not an easy idea to do it. It's a, it requires a complete you know, upheaval of your life. Um, your, your, your peer group will shift and change. Um, how you invest your money will shift and change and you'll learn how much uh, you're willing to invest in other people but not so much yourself. Um, And you'll see how much courage you really have because people say they have faith but it's easy to have faith when it's all good but when things hit the fan, that's when you see whether you really have faith or not. And another thing is, especially if you're in a corporate job, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm Dan from the radio or I'm Mastin from the management company but just Dan yeah, or just Mastin, you know, that's where you have to start building the confidence. And, you know, when I left the, the management game and I wasn't associated with a large company anymore, all of a sudden people weren't calling me back. And I was like, uh, what, what's going on here? You know, and I heard about this type of stuff, but I'd never experienced it. So then you realize, wow, a lot of the relationships I had were transactional. And then you have to start building real, real relationships too. So there's, it's a wake up call. It's scary. But what's more scary is going on your deathbed and regretting that you didn't do it. I think sometimes, like I feel, at least on my journey, what I've noticed is whatever gets removed from your life by the universe or whatever you walk away from, whatever comes next is always 10 times better. And sometimes you look back at those relationships that you let go of, and then you realize how little they really meant. Totally. The hard part is that's hindsight, right? So like the goal is to have that belief in the moment when you leave, right? Because like... In hindsight, 100% that's true. The hard part about motivating people to move forward is, well, it's like easy for Dan, you're already here. Yeah. Or easy for Mastin, you're already here. When someone's in it, and they're in a toxic relationship, or they're in a soul-sucking job, and they're scared to leave, you know, we hear, they hear something like what you're saying, and they think it's just some Pollyanna nonsense, or easy for you, or there's some reason why they can't. And what's interesting is, most people, when they think about goals that they want to achieve, have an automatic assumption that, assumption that they're very far away. Yeah which I think is ridiculous. Why can't we automatically assume it's very close? Like, why not? 
So I think that while what you're saying is true, what people have to realize is it's an individual experience that every single person has to have that own realization and then they'll remember it. But you know, when you surround, like what you've done is you've surrounded yourself very wisely with people who value what you value, yeah. who push you forward, who are playing a bigger game and they it cause you to grow. One of the other things is if you're transferring out of a company where you're kind of the hot shot, where you're the big one and you go over here and then like you're the little shot, you know, that's like, you got to check your ego at the door too, you know, because it's like all of a sudden, like you're not, you know, at the top of the pile. Like I remember when I got into the entertainment business or out of the entertainment business into doing what I'm doing now, I was used to being the guy who like would call the head of William Morris and get him on the phone and book a tour or, you know, the head of the label and make it happen. And in the personal development space, like Mastin, who what, you know, there was no recognition there and to check my intentions. And before my intention was significance and, and being on the top, and my intention had to shift to service. Yeah. You know, so it's, you got, it's humble pie. <laughs> well, because, it, you know, I mean, this is what happens. Most of the time you go out and you meet somebody at a restaurant in a social setting, you shake hands. Oh, I'm Dan. Oh, I'm Mastin. That's great. Tell me about yourself. First thing that we respond is the job title. Yep. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a parent. Yep. I'm, so, you know, so it seems like our identities more than ever are wrapped up in what we do instead of really getting back to the truth of who we are. Yeah, well, that's because a lot of us don't know who we are, so, but we do know what we do. So you know, if you think that you are what you do or what you have, you are setting yourself up for pain. Um, at a recent event that I did in, in uh, Los Angeles at this place called Soho House, which is sort of known for being shishi and kind of highbrow, um, you know, the first thing I did was I said, and it was a room full of people with tons, I mean, famous people, celebrities, yeah. all that stuff, you know, high-ranking executives and stuff. And I said, all right, guys, I want you to stand up, introduce yourself to five people and say, hi, my name is Mastin and I love what? My dog, Chinese food, whatever. Um, and they did that. And within two, three minutes, the whole room was chatting. Oh, my God, you love dogs? I love dogs. And they bonded over something completely different. But that's not normal. So it's really understanding that, like, you know, Usually we were grilled by our parents, become a this, do a that. And we kind of take that on and that's all of us. And what's happening now with technology, disruption, millennial values, all that type of stuff is that we're realizing like quality of life people. <laughs> yeah. And as we talk about the idea of claim, uh, claiming your power, that's yes. the name of the book that's yes. out right now. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at claimyourpowerbook.com. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, but as we talk about the idea of claiming your power, I almost feel like now the word power can be triggering oh yeah you know because yep. we automatically associate it with greedy politicians we think of wall street we think of hate groups for the person right now who might be feeling marginalized who might be feeling that they're powerless yes what is power and how do you claim it that's a great question <laughs> Uh, well, the, sh the short answer is get the book and read it because it's 60,000 words on answering the question yeah. because I got the question so much. But I will give my best yeah. description as I can given the, the, the brevity of time that we have here. Um, ultimately, power is your ability to make your purpose real. So as you see your purpose, as you see your visions, can you actually make it real? When I was in the music business, there were people who would have an idea, execute on it, and it would be done that same day. And it was amazing to me to see like, whoa, things can happen really quickly. And then I go out into like the world and people would talk about the same idea for 10 years. I'm like, guys, we can do that in like three days. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that just wasn't a favorite of reference for most people. Um, and so I got really curious about why people don't take more action. 
And the answer is sort of profound and deep. But summaries is basically a nervous system. We all have one. It's the fight or flight response in us. And so we don't move forward because it's scary to move forward. We want to do anything but move forward because we want to stay just where we are because it's safe. So someone who is feeling marginalized or powerless, even though it's shitty and you would never want to feel that way, there's a part of you that's safe in that. And the other thing is the people who are doing the marginalization, you know, whether it's a white supremacist group or you know, some political party you don't believe in, some head of country that you don't believe in, yeah. uh, you know, like they're traumatized. So like the thing that's interesting today is there's no, but never been more division, Republican, Democrat, black, white, um, or, you know, whatever it might be. And th- what's so fascinating is deeper down, everyone has unprocessed emotional trauma. And so claiming your power is about becoming aware that you have hurt and pain and then healing that process and then deciding that your frame of reference for how you will move forward is not based on external circumstances of what people are doing or saying about you, but an internal mechanism and drive, uh, which is really all about what living your purpose is really all about. And if you look at anyone who's done anything successful ever, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Gandhi, all the greats who have moved social movements forward, they had this internal sense and this internal compass uh, that was guiding them, and, and that's a purposeful compass. And so, you know, Martin Luther King wasn't looking at the racists back then and saying, wow, all these people over here hate black people. Maybe I shouldn't have a dream. You know, no. he's like, I got a dream. And he spoke up. And that message resonated into the annals of history because of how true it was. And when you say something true, you don't need to defend yourself. So I think that the goal is, um, you know, the fancy term is self realization. But the real idea is to understand that the mechanism with which you can decide how good or bad your life will be is an inside job, regardless of what has happened to you and regardless of what people are doing to you currently in this moment. Um, And the the last thing I'll say is that marginalization is something that is a shared experience. Um, And so you're not the only person. There's lots of people who feel that way. So when you can kind of recognize it's like a universal experience you can start, stop feeling sort of bad for the problem that you're having and really start focusing on healing yourself and then reaching out to someone else who feels marginalized and helping them not feel marginalized. And in that sense, things get healthier and healthier and healthier. Because ultimately the idea of purpose, as you lay it out, is connecting to yourself, knowing what emotions you want to cultivate, but also helping somebody else yeah, and let me, sharing that. Let me, let me break that down a little bit for someone who's never heard that before. If you think of any goal that you want to achieve, I don't care what it is, a billion dollars, you want to innovate technology, you want to cure cancer, you want to you know, get uptown faster. Like I don't care what fitness, romance, love, marriage, whatever it is, kids, whatever you want to do, six-pack abs, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> One right? day. Okay, <laughs> One whatever day. it is. You want that goal because of the feeling you think it'll bring you. So we're going for physical targets but we're really trying to go for emotional targets, which is why when you get stuff, you're never happy. No one is happy with stuff long term. Nobody. David Geffen has a very famous quote where he says, you know, people who think money makes them happy don't have any. Um, and so it's not that money is bad. You can absolutely have as much money as you want, but it's not going to bring you emotional happiness. So if what we want, if what we're really going for is, a, is an emotion, then let's pause for a second and stop looking at the stuff and starting to figure out, well, what emotion do I want to feel? And then you cross that across every area of your life. Holy cow, I just want the same emotional content in my relationship, in my health and fitness, in my family, in my job, in my career, my business, whatever. So then, oh my gosh, I want to make other people feel that way. And if you look at like the Constitution of the United States and Declaration of Independence, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness, happiness, which is an emotion. 
right? So it's in the DNA of our country, but we forgot. And so the idea really is about how can you figure out what your specific emotions are? How can you take personal responsibility to cultivate those emotions? How can you work on removing the internal impediments so that you are able to heal those internal wounds? And then how can you express it, like what you're doing right now in this podcast, in service to other people? If your life is just about you, you're going to shrivel up. So that's a, what I just said, the ramifications are a lot, but it's extremely pragmatic because great quality emotions in a, in a um, business, that's called a culture. Great quality emotions in clients, that's called raving fans. Great quality emotions in a relationship, that's called a soulmate relationship. Great quality of life in, uh, uh, in, a, in, in, in all of your you know, um, fellow citizens, that's called a thriving economy. You yeah. know? So like, I mean, if you look at even what drives the economy, consumer confidence, that's an emotion, right? So emotion is everything, but we think it's the stuff. One of my, I don't want to say it's a favorite story. I think it's a sad story, but I don't remember his name. The guy that developed the game Minecraft, whoever the software developer was. Oh my God. He I sold his company for two and a half billion dollars to Microsoft. Billion. Yes. You could build part of the Great Wall of Trump with that money. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like I can't even imagine what that looks like. But within months, he went on a Twitter spree about how lonely and isolated mm -hmm. and miserable he felt. Yep. You know, because all of his friends were just out working. He didn't feel connection. He's That's right. just sitting there on piles of money and with nothing to work toward next. That's right. Yeah, so, I mean, look, you can have money and happiness. You can have money and emotional wealth. I personally want both. Yeah. But I would take the emotional wealth all day long. And that's what you have to cultivate. I work with a lot of high performers, a lot of celebrities, a lot of people that you know remain nameless, and like a lot of people. I, just, I would probably go as far as say everybody um, has that same thing because we're all human. So regardless of success, I mean, look at Chester Bennington. He was at the peak of a rock band's success. Took his own life, yeah. you know. So it's like the, 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 that. That alone is enough evidence to say, hey guys, just because I'm successful on the outside doesn't mean I'm feeling that way on the inside. And there's this assumption by everybody else that just because someone's successful, they should be happy. And there's a lack of compassion for the pressures and, and, and the magnified uh, emotional trauma that happens. Because if you haven't done your work and then you get famous or you get successful, it just 10Xs that issue. So um, there's a big stigma there. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's privilege in that for sure, but it's not easy, it's not difficult, and everyone still has trauma. Part of the work you do is helping people get to the core of what those emotional targets are and you know mm -hmm. creating that purpose statement uh and you can do it very quickly like yes. you know i feel like even when i work with clients you know i take a different route to get there but you can get a purpose statement in about 45 minutes sure. if you want to bringing it to life and making it <laughs> real can take years sometimes it can feel like it takes a lifetime yeah. Why is it so difficult? Why can't it just be easy that we find our purpose and then we go out and make it real? Why, why do so many people struggle to bridge the gap? Yeah, it's like, it's like consultants in business, right? Like it's so easy to come in and say, here's your strategy, but then the business has to figure out how to do it, yeah. <laughs> right? So that's why consultants are kind of worth the napkin they put their idea on, you know, because it's all about execution, right? So execution is the name of the game. Strategy, cool, but strategy without execution is worthless. So... The same thing is true in your life. And the problem is, and it could either be a problem, it could be a gift, it could be an opportunity, it could be comical, it depends on how you look at it, is that we have these survival patterns inside of us, these, these nervous systems that says, you know, I have to be safe. So we're primarily designed to avoid pain rather than seek pleasure. And if we want to go towards happy emotions, 
we have to come up against all the parts of us that are terrified of happy emotions because happy emotions equals vulnerability. So that's why it's so hard because you're, you're fighting against literally billions of years of evolution that have created a nervous system that says happiness equals danger, not happiness equals safety. So that's why it's so difficult. And I think if there is a God that the angels, God, whatever that is, is very entertained by the uh, dance between the human drive and human nervous system. It's so easy to take those beliefs that we have about ourselves. I'm not enough, I'm not old enough, young enough, wealthy enough, goal-oriented enough, what, whatever that is, attractive enough, my abs aren't ripped enough, uh, and just take that on as your identity. Yeah, it's called shame. Part of the work, though, is realizing it's simply a decision that you made at one point in your life. That's right. And, and so much of what you do is almost like that Indiana Jones becoming like the emotional archaeologist sort of digging down, <laughs> helping people uncover, <laughs> uncover what they, yeah, let's get you a hat. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So like everyone has decisions and, and, or interpretations or meanings that they've made about past events that are maybe partially true, but not fully true. And they definitely don't serve their forward momentum. And so what happens is if you don't address that stuff, it'll just stay with you. And you know, you get to decide, is this a growing moment? Is it over? And this is not just something that is made up out of nowhere. Like Viktor Frankl introduced us to this concept in Man's Search for Meaning. You know, he's a psychologist in Auschwitz, lost most of his family in Nazi Germany. And yet in the worst of human conditions saw that there were people who had a meaning or interpretation that the future could be better in the worst of times. And those are the ones who had the resilience to to outlive uh, the people who did not have that mindset beyond the people who, you know, obviously were malnourished or, you know, taken to the gas chambers. So like logos therapy, that's what Victor, Victor Frankl brought forward. So it's like, if we want to learn a lesson, that's a lesson, which is between stimulus and response is a decision of what something means or what the interpretation of the event is. And so, you know, that's where your quote power is, is in that decision-making process. So when someone cheats on you, yeah, you gotta decide that all men are cheaters, or are you gonna decide, whoa, I need to learn about what's in me that made that made that decision. Both could be accurate depending on what you choose, and you'll feel either one if you believe it enough. And what's fascinating is it's not always the big traumas. It's not always the abuse that somebody might have experienced in their home. It can just be a, a simple three-minute moment in yep. a lifetime. Like when I did this work with myself. You know, one of the things that held me back my whole career, no matter how well I was doing, no matter how big of a market I was working in on the radio, never felt like I was enough. I would get into a job, (laughs) I'd be there four months, I'd be like, what's the next big job? Yep. So I was always on this hamster wheel until I finally just collapsed at one point. And as I did the work, I realized a time when I was in sixth grade and I watched my mom putting up all these trophies on the mantle that recognized my achievements that year. So there was a trophy for uh, student of the year. There was another one yeah. for most athletic and it had tennis rackets and basketballs. There was a trophy like dancing with the stars with some couple ballroom dancing and my girlfriend and I were class couple. The problem is I didn't achieve any of those things. Right. My mom went and actually had those created. Oh my goodness. As a way to compete with the other mothers she knew. Oh my God. But I was 11 years old. Whoa. And here's the thing is I didn't remember this for 25 years. Yep. I mean, it's a three minute moment. Why would you ever even remember it? But what I realized is in that moment, I made a decision that whoever I am, 
wasn't enough for my mom to be proud of. Yep. And if I became more like my father, who also sure. worked in the music industry and in radio, I could get that love. Totally. And literally that summer at 12 years old, like when all the kids were going to the pool or playing basketball, I would go to work with my dad every morning. Wow. And start like interning. Totally. <laughs> but Wow. So it's that process. I mean, is that really the difficulty? Sometimes we just don't even... It's having to go down and dig down to realize what the trauma is, and it's not always the big stuff we think it's, it yeah, is. People think that there has to be some significant abuse, and trust me, you don't want to compete on abuse. Like That's right, not where you right, want to go. <laughs> like, right. You don't want to go there. A lot of people try to, though. No, it's not. It's like, oh, well, I wasn't blah, 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 so I don't have trauma. It's like, no, we all have it, and you don't want to have the biggest one. Like that's, I've heard stuff that makes Friday the 13th sound like you know, a Disney film. Um, but yeah, it's about un- understanding the decisions that you made, the interpretations that you made of those moments, and then cleaning it up. It's that simple. It's just difficult, and they're blind spots. So that's why it's called The Hidden Blocks in the subtitle, Discover the Hidden Blocks that Hold You Back, because most personal development focuses primarily on just giving you better coping mechanisms. So maybe you used to cope with drugs and alcohol, and now you cope with yoga and yoga apparel. Yeah, it's better to cope with yoga than yoga than, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol, but if you don't do the underlying emotional work, no amount of yoga will do it for you. And I'm not against yoga. But it's a high-level coping mechanism if you don't do the emotional work. So that's the name of the game, and that's what I've specialized in for the last decade. Yes. One of the big survival patterns that you talked about, even when I saw you speak the other night uh, here in New York, was staying in a, staying in a soul-sucking job. <laughs> and this is a topic near and dear to my heart because yes. I, I stayed in my career probably three, four years longer than I should have. Yes. How does somebody know that it's really time to make a change? They know. They, they know. <laughs> they might. But what is the part of them that tells them that they don't know? Uh, the, um, how should I put this? Um, the financial fear. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, and that's a legitimate fear, but it's never enough. And I think it's when you become unmanageable. Like you wake up every day, you hate your job. The problem is if you don't do this work, and I'm not saying this to curse people or to make people scared, but like your life and your body and your world will have a way of waking you up that won't be pleasant. It just happens every single time. So it's like you either obediently listen to like reading the tea leaves, as like one of my mentors used to say, with tea leaves is kind of like the subtle signs, right? Or you get smacked in the face and kicked in the teeth. And at that moment, you can either say, life sucks, it's against me, and how could I? Or you go, what is trying to get my attention? And all the highest achievers in the world realize that, you know, down moments are moments to pay attention, mm-hmm. for sure, and to learn. And you went through a big one that was sort of the catalyst <laughs> for you. I know you talk, about your, lot. Yeah, yeah. you talk about your divine storm a lot. Yeah, I mean, how should I put this? Like, when you don't pay attention, you get lessons. And they don't, it's not like, hey, class, today we're going to learn about how to find your purpose. It's like, no, like all of a sudden, like all of life is against you. You can't make money. Like you get some type of illness or disease or there's a crisis or you get kicked out or you hit a rock bottom. Like it's experiential and it's intense. So what happened when this happened for me was I decided, you know what? This is happening for me, not to me. And if it's happening for me, there's a lesson for me to learn. Now I got to go find out what it is. Um, And then I figured out what it was for me. And then the process that I've been teaching in the Clean Power book has sort of been a uh, offshoot of that, essentially, because I was my first client. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess I guess that's true for me too. Like yeah. we're all here to teach what we have to learn. That's right. So if somebody could do one thing today 
obviously it would be buy the book, right? That would be the first thing. But if they don't want to wait the 24 hours for Amazon Prime to deliver it and they're like, I'm suffering, I'm not going to suffer anymore. If there's one thing they could do right now that could impact their life. I think you have to make a decision that everything that's happening in your life right now, even if you can't see it, and especially if you can't see it, is actually a catalyst moving you in the direction that you want to go. And that everything that's uncomfortable, hurtful, shameful, that causes you stress is creating enough pressure in your life for you to actually move. So if you can just make the decision today that what's happening in your life is a wake-up call and not a punishment, the next 24 hours till the books gets there will be way better for you. The analogy is always like a basketball, right? The harder you bounce it into the floor, the higher it rebounds. Totally. It's just that most of us need to really come crash hard before we get the, the before we wake up and... Yeah. And, I was the guy that hit like rock bottom and then asked for like a sledgehammer, you know? So like I had a shovel. I was like, no, I got to get deeper. Like, I, mean, I was super, super, super stubborn, you know? Um, but yeah, and if you can learn the lesson, life will shift and turn around. But if you don't learn the lesson, you'll just repeat it over and over. It's like repeating like seventh grade. You just don't, you'll never graduate until you learn the lesson. I always tell people as a coach myself, like I don't have everything figured out. Like I'm still on the process <laughs> totally. of learning it. And to some degree, we're all here to teach what we have to well, learn. I mean, I'm perfect, but. It, what's that no, I'm like? Just kidding, I'm just what, kidding. That's your cross to bear. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm far from it. Far from it. Is there an area in your life right now where you still have to just go back and hit the reset button, or that you're that I don't want to say struggle, but where you have a challenge when it comes to claiming your power? I think it's always there. I think people who say it's not are lying um, because we all have nervous systems. The highs get higher and the lows get higher, but like this book launch. You know, the last thing people knew me as publicly was like this guy who ran this blog called The Daily Love. And I kind of disappeared for a period of time because I had to like kind of re- rework my stuff. And just coming out, I mean, I've been coaching for a long time. Just not a lot of people knew about that. And so coming out, you know, creating this thing called functional life coaching, declaring it, calling it that, being asked questions about it, you know, putting out a book. Like that whole process has been an extreme challenge for me um, because, you know, I mean, I was on Super Soul Sunday and like Oprah Winfrey said, I read The Daily Love every day, right? So it's like when you, something like that happens in my mind that you're like, I have to kill it now. It's like, you don't, no, no one does that. Like you don't just kill off a project that's going well. It was going really well. We're getting millions of views. And what was the catalyst to kill that? Was it the, the, the desire to just be fully seen as Mastin Kip and no, not as The Daily that's Love? Not, no, I wish. No, the desire was just complete lack of fulfillment kind of again. Mm. in that um, same music business kind of way. And I found myself getting kind of jealous of my peers who are my friends. And then, you know, I said, why am I getting jealous? And anytime you're jealous, it's a great time to look at like, what does someone have that you don't have and how could you go create it? Because people that you're jealous of are people that are a catalyst for you to kind of see your own potential. So I said, holy cow, I'm only jealous of coaches. Huh. Like I wasn't jealous like Michael Phelps, you know, swimming or something like that. Like I wasn't jealous of like someone on a fashion runway or something like that. Ryan Gosling was okay. No, you know, like totally fine. I was jealous of people who were coaching. So clearly I was like, well, that's what you have to do. And I had a lot of help along the way, but it's a scary thing to come out and do that type of stuff. Um, and I spent the last year really trying to figure out how the hell to describe what I do because it's very sort of esoteric in a certain sense. It's emo- emotions are invisible. You know, if I was a weight loss coach, you could see fat, you know, fat stomach, six pack, you'd understand. But you know, with the emotional work, you don't 
see like there's no emotional emotions are invisible yeah the physiology changes the life will improve but it's you know getting someone to make a decision in the moment very difficult so i spent the last year or so trying to figure out how to describe it to folks so which is hard <laughs> and and what is that description like so functional life coaching uh, you know i'm Mastin kip i'm a functional life coach i what i mean essentially help people remove any barriers that they have internally uh, to their next level um, and their internal barriers. And that's basically it. And people, that's enough information where people go, okay, tell me more about that. And then I can get more into it. Yeah. Um, but you know, the spaces are riddled with words like purpose, abundance, you know, expression, like all these like manifestation, there's all these words that it's kind of like, uh, but really nobody really knows is. for the average person or somebody's just starting it's, out. They don't even know what for it me, means. I don't even yeah. know what it means. I mean, what yeah. does it mean? I have no idea what it means, right? But your highest potential, what does that even mean? I don't know, but I know that today, I want to wake up. I want to go to the gym. I want to meditate. I want to give my all in this interview. Like, and I want to like serve people like today. That's what I know. But like my highest potential is such a vague idea. Of course I want to live my highest potential, but how do I know that I got there? How do I know that's not halfway there? Like who knows? So to me, it's, it's a, a real pragmatic approach, but I know for sure everyone has internal blocks to the next level. Everybody, whether you're just getting started or you're on top of your game, everybody has blocks. And the second you start to not work on them, that's when you spiral out and you don't stay on top. You've got a really amazing uh, mission that you're on in your life. Yes. Like, you know, we talk That's about... That's another way to define it, too. Raising the bar for what you want to accomplish. Why don't you go ahead and share with everybody what, what your well, mission is in this lifetime? So I believe in exponential thinking inspired by, like, you know, Ray Kurzweil, Pretty Diamantis, Prize, like this whole, like, these crazy futurists who are not that crazy. You know, Elon Musk is an exponential thinker. Steve Jobs is an exponential thinker. I am not comparing myself to these people. I'm just saying I'm inspired by that mindset and, and those, the way that those people think. And one way that like Peter Diamantis and Ray Kurzweil think over at XPRIZE and Singularity University is they believe everyone should have either what's called a moonshot or a major transformative purpose. And a moonshot or major transformative purpose is this idea that's so big you may not achieve it in this lifetime, or you might, you might surprise yourself. But if you don't achieve it, then you're going to set up the next generation to take your work and then follow through on it. But like most people have... We, we have, the problem today is we think too small. So like people who think this way, like Branson, Jeff Bezos, you know, all the guys going to space, Elon Musk, you know, uh, Naveen Jain, there are all these amazing entrepreneurs. And I was like, maybe I'll try having a moonshot. I don't know. And I did some thinking along the same lines of trying to describe what do I do. And I realized like the biggest impediment that I see in the world today isn't a financial impediment. It's not a political impediment. Um, it's not a, a race impediment. It's actually emotional trauma. Like that's the biggest impediment to heaven on earth, to global prosperity, to peace in yeah. the United States, to peace in the Middle East is emotional trauma. So I said, well, what would be like the biggest goal you could set around emotional trauma? I was like, well, let's just end it. So then I was like, okay, so <laughs> what you're saying is you want to end emotional trauma in your lifetime. And I said, Sure. And then I was like, that's kind of cool. And, you know, that that's brought a lot of focus and clarity. And, and the coolest thing is because it's a mission, um, I, it really, I had to elevate my game because I, I couldn't disagree with and I couldn't compete with anyone who had that same mission. We're all on the same team. 
So I had to view things very differently because if anybody has that same mission, then like we have to be aligned regardless of race, politics, gender, religion, yeah. any of that type of stuff if we're on that same mission. Um, and so it was a, a dramatic change. And what's interesting is the more I talk about that and the more that I work towards that, um, better things tend to happen because it's not about me. Like releasing this book, like I don't care about the New York Times. We may or may not get it now. We may or may not get it later. But if I can just keep getting in the hands of people and get them to implement it and learning these practices and learning about functional coaching and learning about the root cause and learning about their own internal stuff, like the wake up that you've had and just replicate that with the technology that we have today, like to me, that's what it's all about. Who cares about the New York Times? If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But mission focused is the name of the game because being a number one New York Times bestselling author is not mission focused. That's just ego focused. That's positioning focused. Yeah. And the funny thing happens when you focus on service, a lot of the accolades come. Too many people have a deficit in service and have sort of this, this pile of accolades. I, if I had to choose, I'd rather have you know, way more service than, than accolades because accolades are meaningless. Because at the end of the day, you could have a number one New York Times bestselling book, but you're going to write another book at some point. And if it's only number seven, <laughs> like, does that, oh God, I, I, I well, failed. I'm, and the other thing is like, it's like maybe it was number one for a week, but then it's just like a flash in the pan. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like, it's, 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 in, it's always got to be impact driven. You know, I have a friend of mine who became a New York Times bestseller. She was happy for three days. And then back to, doesn't I'm matter. not enough. It doesn't matter. It's all, yeah. it's all the same. So it's like, it's like, it's just a, uh, it's a ghost. It's not real. It's cool. Maybe people will believe you more. Maybe, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know, winning, I mean, Natalie Portman called the Oscars a false idol. <laughs> okay. That's not me making shit up. That's just go Google it. Right. Yeah. So it's like award, like any artist knows that the real reward is the work, yeah. you know? So like, that's where you focus. So perhaps the biggest mission for people listening right now would be find your purpose. I, well, I mean, there's no more important thing than that. I mean, it sounds trite like a Hallmark card, but it's actually true. Because if you think about what a purpose is, purpose is like, what's the purpose of a washing machine? Well, to wash dishes. What's the purpose of a fast car to go fast? If you live a fast car in a garage all by itself for two years, nothing happens. And you're like, well, let me go to the doctor and get a pill. Well, if you're not using it, it's still going to keep breaking down. You know, there's the latest research, I'm so excited to share this, um, shows that when you have a sense of purpose, it can extend your life up to almost a decade. Wow. So it's like purpose is the real deal. It's why you were born. It's what you were supposed to be used for. And when you use yourself properly, not use drugs, right? When you use yourself properly, like your system comes into alignment, your mental body, your hormonal body, your emotional body, they all come into alignment and that's called healthy. Right. So what's happening today is it's not a lack of just nutrient dense food, though that's true. It's a lack of purpose. And if you look at what's happening today racially, it's a lack of purpose. America has forgotten its purpose um, and is focusing on what divides it. And the reason why things are breaking loose like crazy right now is the crisis of race and religion and, and sexism and all that stuff is, is uprooting the underlying emotional traumas of, of misogyny and racism. Um, and xenophobia that have to be cleared. That's what's happening today. And the way that you contribute to that um, is by you know, doing your own internal work. Every human being on the planet is like a cell in this body of the earth. And every cell that gets healthy is no longer a cancer, 
right? So it's one cell at a time. So you can't sit around and say, well, the world is this way, so I can't be. That's like Superman saying, well, I can't go to Gotham until there's no criminals. Like, yeah. you've got to live your purpose. And Joseph Campbell says, participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. So by doing that, you'll start to be a, a part of the solution. And by doing that, not only will you be happy, but the world will start to shift in that direction. So, um, yeah, finding your purpose is the most important thing because without, finding, without purpose, it, things are meaningless. I was just over at Men's Health today, and they're like, what's, how does you know, purpose and health relate? Well, if you're, you know, for example, getting, going to the gym because you want to have a strong body to be able to pick up your child, you're going to finish those reps. But if you're yeah. just trying to have a six-pack of abs, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Right? When you're motivated by a purpose that's larger than you, you follow through, and regardless of whether it's comfortable or not. So it's, 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 it's everything. It literally is everything. And the best recommendation I can give to people if they're on this search, looking for more purpose in their life, start with the book, Claim Your Power. <laughs> it is available on Amazon.com right now. You can also go to ClaimYourPowerBook.com. Uh, Mastin, for real, brother, I just want to take a minute to honor you. Oh, man. You have been such a tremendous influence on my life. Uh, both you and your girlfriend, Jenna, have taught me so much. You've been amazing mentors to me. You've shown up for me just being the first guest on this podcast. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to totally. book big guests when you're just getting started out. So your support means the world to me. Ugh. And even what you're doing right now, just putting this book out there and with no regards to what the New York Times bestseller list says, just showing up to serve. It's such a powerful lesson. You're an amazing example. You inspire me. And I know that you have inspired a lot of people uh, to dig in and play a bigger game to show up and live their purpose and make an impact. So I, I deeply bow to that. Oh, well, Dan, you are the man. And you know, whenever someone gives a compliment, it's important to receive it. So I'm going to say thank you. And I feel you. And it really means a lot to me. And I want to also let you know that you did the work. You know, I, we are way showers. And some people do the work. Some people don't. You are doing the work every day. And you're crushing it. And this is the beginning. I can't even imagine you know, a couple of years from now, five years from now, where it's going to be. I'm going to be like, Hey man, Dan, remember me? Mastin, remember me? <laughs> Can I take that call? You take my call, man? <laughs> Always. Well, uh, again, claimyourpowerbook.com. Look for it. Mastin Kip on amazon.com. Uh, can't wait to see what's next for you, my man. Woo! All the best. Love you, man. Well, there you have it. Now you've met my mentor. If you love the interview, you're going to love the book, Claim Your Power, and Mastin has given me a free autographed copy to give away to you. All you have to do is screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter, and make sure to let Mastin and I know you're listening. You can find him at Mastin Kip, and you can find me at CSC Dan Mason. We'll pick one lucky social media entry and send you an autographed copy of the book. If you love what you're hearing, click follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And please share this content with a friend. My intention here is to inspire at least 10 million people to up-level their lives along with the help of the amazing guests that we have on tap this season. So let people know about the podcast. And if you'd like to talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, you can always find me on the web, creativesoulcoaching.net. I've got info online about my new Life Amplified 2018 coaching program to help you accelerate your success and crush your goals in the new year. So just fill out the contact information on my site and we can schedule a complimentary 30-minute discovery call to talk more about where you are 
and where you want to be. Once again, that website, creativesoulcoaching.net. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can get out there and live life amplified. I'll talk to you next time.